Blog Talk Radio. Kingway Fox Beard Locker's acting very weird Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's cat, you has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that means it's time for another episode of Trek Talkin'. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. You want to put that in your speed dial, and you want to start dialing now because we have a special guest with us in the studio. We have Ron Perlman with us, um, and he's the author of, let us see here, of several, I'm not going to list them all, but several Star Trek books. He's the number one New York Times bestselling author, and tonight he's going to be with us to talk about his new book, Starfleet Is. So give us a call at 646-668-2433, and we'll get you on the line with Rob Perlman right away. But don't worry, we have a lot more. We have a lot of stuff to talk about from Star Trek Day. We're going to play the new Picard trailer, Prodigy trailer drop. We've got a lot of news to talk about as far as Strange New Worlds goes. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. So you guys want to hang out with us? We'll be here till 930 tonight, so please. Give us a call at 646-668-2433. Let us know what you thought about Star Trek Day or any of the things that happened on Star Trek Day. We'd love to get you on the line here. Um, please head over to blogtalkradio.com backslash trektalk and give us a like. Give us a follow. That way you'll never miss a show. And please head over to Facebook at Trek Talking and Beyond and follow us there as well. We have 63,000 638 followers as of now. We're quickly moving to 64,000, but we can't get there without you. So head on over there, give us a like, give us a follow, and help us get to 64,000. We have 35,952 downloads of this podcast as of right now. So thank you so much for that. We really, really, really appreciate it. So there's a brand new movie coming out called Zone 414. It's available now on digital and on-demand download. It's a new sci-fi thriller that stars Guy Pearce, Matilda Lutz, Travis Fimmel, and it's set in a dangerous dark colony of humanoids known as the City of Robots. When the colony's creator hires private investigator David Carmichael to track down his missing daughter, David teams up with Jane, a highly advanced AI, and together they travel through the city uncovering a crime that calls into question the true origins of Zone 414. Stream Zone 414 instantly on digital and demand today. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. The sci-fi thriller is set in the vein of Blade Runner. It has a high production value and is set in a new world of humanoid robots. 
from Academy Award-winning nominated producer Mark Huffman. I have five, that's right, five digital download copies of this movie that I'd love to give to you. All you have to do is let your fingers do the walk-in and give us a call at 646-668-2433, and I'll email you a digital download code for Zone 414. And in case you're wondering, what is Zone 414? Take a listen to the trailer. Maybe. There we go. Hello, David. What do you know about Zone 414? My city of robots. My android. Companionship is rare these days. Not my kind of place. The task is my daughter, Melissa. Three weeks ago, she went missing. I need you to retrieve her for me. And when you get there, find Jane. She might be my best creation. So unique. Welcome to the Zen. You help me find Melissa. So you're a friend of hers, right? I don't need any more trouble. What kind of trouble? Hi, Jane. Someone wants to kill me. Someone! Someone's been stalking Jane. I appreciate the fact that Jane is your tour guide. Don't trust her. Vid is paying you to find the girl. Find the girl. Get your money and leave. But you do not see. They can feel pain without in their own way. They scream. I said don't move! You have a murderer in the zone. Stay right there! more human than fear. So that's it, guys. Zone 414 starring Guy Pierce. Give us a call right now, 646-668-2433, and I'll get you a digital download. So here we are, and we have Rob Perlman on the line with us. How you doing tonight, Rob? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. I, I can't complain. Um, it's beautiful up here in Vermont. And you can we also have with us. Oh, I can. I can. It's just a matter of will people listen to me, you know? <laughs> 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 and uh, we also have with us Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing great. It is a almost perfect late summer day here, 83 degrees and breezy here in Portland. And uh, just living the dream, ready to talk some Trek. Excited and to have we got Rob a lot today. To- we got a lot to talk about. And we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. It's the last day of the heat advisory. And we might drop down to finally around 100 or so, finally, after a few days of highs. But I got a good break in Seattle with some cool. And then I think my mind got blown last night on Star Trek Day. 
There was a lot. I had to take Advil PM last night because I knew my brain wouldn't shut down after that. (laughs) Well, before we can talk about Star Trek Day, which we're definitely going to, we're going to be talking with Rob Perlman about his new book, What is Starfleet? Um, It is the universe's most famous and inspirational coalition of time. It is boldly gone where no pop culture franchise has gone before. It is a foundation for a thriving community of passionate fans. So, Rob, I, I take it that you're a Star Trek fan? <laughs> <Isn't> <laughs> I, obvious? I think so. <laughs> I've been called worse. <laughs> yes, so have I. <laughs> I am a Star Trek fan. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed 35 Star Trek books. Wow. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 no. There's been about eight Star Trek books, about 40 books in total. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I, so the, okay, so, it, so there, it's not 35 Star Trek books. It's 35 books in total. And yeah. what? Eight, eight of those no. are Star Trek books? Let me, let me look. Yeah, you something. know, we're, we're probably up to about 40 or 45 books in total. Um, and I just signed the contract for my, I think it's my 10th Star Trek book. Wow. Wow. That's coming up. Yeah. That is impressive. So let me see. I I feel pretty Uh, lucky. Star Trek fun with Kirk and Spock, the wit and wisdom of Star Trek, Star Trek body by Starfleet, Mm -hmm. Star Trek, the search for Spock. And my favorite here, Star Trek Red Shirts, The Little Book of Doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one sounds great. <laughs> you know, I figured, you know, I, I, there, I've never read a red shirt joke that I haven't liked. Um, but I thought, like all of the characters on, on Star Trek, um, you know, there's probably more to a red shirt than we've seen on screen. Um, so that book sort of goes behind the scenes into, you know, Poor Richard's really terrible, unlucky life. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. They're but not all red team. shirts, though, because uh, Scotty and Ahura were red shirts, and they made it all the way through. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, you know, I think they set the standard, and no, that no other red shirt could uh, could live up to. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. So, Rob, what got you interested in Star Trek? Where you are? A TOS, TNG, uh, what's your favorite? You know, that's, everyone always asks me that question. <laughs> and honestly, it depends on what the day is. Um, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in, what's going on in the world, um, how my day was, um, who I'm talking to at the time. I think all of Star Trek is my favorite because it's all Star Trek. Is that kind of, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That, that's a good um, answer because that's, that's pretty much the answer I would give. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I it, it's, I, I hate to play favorites and there are some days I'm just in a complete TOS mood. Um, and some days I'm like, you know what? I just need a couple of episodes of DS9 to get through whatever, <laughs> whatever's happening. <laughs> well, um, but, you know, well, I was, I, I was really lucky, like <laughs> Star Trek, when I came around, Star Trek was in reruns um, and it was shown, you know, after school and especially on the weekends. Um, so it was kind of always in the background of my childhood, literally and figuratively, because it was the one show that everybody in the family could watch and enjoy for their own reasons. 
So, you know, whereas I watched it for the space, you know, scenes and the action um, and the, 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 uh, the phasers and all that, you know, my, my parents and my grandparents may have watched it for, you know, more of the social commentary or, you know, the, the storytelling. And, and as I grew, I realized, um, and, and TNG came around, I realized that there were bits and pieces of Star Trek and all of the series that I could relate to at different parts of my life and different stages of my life. Um, so that it's always sort of been there and been around. And I've, I've said before that unlike seeing a, a big splashy movie, you know, Star Trek was a television property. And because it was literally beamed into your home, I always felt it was a much more intimate relationship um, where you could really sort of drill down into the characters and the storytelling and the, the relationships and, and what the writers were trying to do. Um, and then when I saw the motion picture on screen for the first time um, in the movie theater, I was just amazed at those amazing glamour shots of the enterprise. I think my mouth was hanging open just as much as Kirk's was. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh -huh. you know, I was able to appreciate it that way too. It was also the first time I'd ever seen something in the movies that started on TV. And I was like, wow, this pop culture thing is really cool. I think I want to make a career out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it all worked out. Excellent yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think Star Trek, the motion picture, I, I never saw it in the movie theater. Um, I, 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 I'm going to make a confession, which I've made before. When the motion picture came out, I chose to go and see the Empire Strikes Back. <gasps> For shame. Choices. Choices. Uh, yeah, and I never, I never went back and caught it in the movies. I missed it, but for the 40th anniversary, they re-released it in the theaters, and I had the opportunity to go back, see it in the big screen, and that's the only way to see that movie. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. It was made to be on a movie screen, so I agree with you. I, yeah. I, definitely I mean, admittedly, I'm probably a little bit too young to really appreciate the movie because I wanted more space battles. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a little slow in some parts for my prepubescent brain, but looking back on it now and watching it on TV, it's just, I just love it. And now they did, they're doing like a 4k re-release, I think, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah. Very exciting. Yep. It, it is. It is very exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it for sure. So let's talk a little bit about, about your, your new book, Starfleet is. And, uh, yeah, so what is Starfleet is? <laughs> so, uh, Starfleet is anything you want it to be. Um, and, you know, the idea for Starfleet is came, up, came about, I was sitting in the audience, I was very lucky to be invited to a Picard panel at New York Comic Con a few years ago. And... Um, you know, I'm, I'm a pop culture guy. I've been going to conventions for years. I've been associated very fortunately with, with Star Trek for a really long time, professionally and personally. Um, I've been on the Star Trek cruise. I, I've been in, um, I've been on panels. I've been in large, you know, hall H's. I've been in really small, intimate panel rooms. And I was always and am still always amazed at the, the breadth and diversity of a Star Trek fan and Star Trek fandom. They come from all walks of life. Um, 
and everyone is brought together by their shared passion for this thing. So as I was sitting in the, the very, very large and diverse audience of the, the Picard panel, and then they started doing like a little teaser trailer of everything that Star Trek was leading into the Picard premiere. Um, I was like, wow, like, you know, Star Trek can be so many things to so many different people. It's action, it's adventure, it's, it's love, it's humor. Um, and then I was looking around and that was sort of bearing itself out. And I thought there's a connection here, a very strong and, and to my mind, obvious connection between what Starfleet is in the show and what Star Trek fandom is in real life. And I thought it would be really interesting if somehow there was something out there that made that connection on a, on an intentional and meaningful level for people. And that's how I started thinking about Starfleet is what is Starfleet. So I, I started writing a list. Um, I think I came up with probably about 200, 250 things that Starfleet was. Um, and then we pared it down and pared it down and pared it down into these single word descriptions. So Starfleet is bold and Starfleet is energized. Um, and then we paired it all with images from all of the series too. Um, and then we wanted to, you know, give something to the fans. You know, the, I always say that this book was created by fans for fans. Um, so it's, it's very, um, it's intentional in what it's, trying to do and who it's speaking to. Um, and I think kind of like what we were talking about a little while ago, you can be any level of Star Trek fan. If you're someone new to the franchise, there's going to be something in it for you. If, if you're a super fan like we are, there's going to be something in it for you. Um, so that's kind of what the book is. And it's, it's trying to be um, sort of a, a reflection of Star Trek fandom and Star Trek at the same time. You know, I've always said on this podcast, I was that Star Trek fans are the best fans. And that's, that's very true. And I think, I think the main reason for that is because Star Trek fans get it. I'm not knocking Dr. Who or Star Wars or, or any other fans because all fandom has their, their fans. But I think Star Trek is different than all the other sci-fi franchises because Star Trek fans get it and, and want to strive to make that, that dream a reality. It's the hope. It's the belief that we can get there, that there's a better future. If we all try to make each day just a little tiny bit better than the day before we can get there. And I think that's that hope that Star Trek gives us. That's what makes it so special. Agreed. You know, I think, Gene Roddenberry had a very clear idea about what he wanted Star Trek to say um, and how he wanted to say it. <clears throat> and of course, compromises needed to be made along the way for, you know, economic reasons and production reasons. Um, but I think Gene, and I certainly can't speak for him, but I think he wanted to put forth that there was hope in humanity and that if we all worked together, um, things could get better for everybody. You know, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, that's, that's his thing. Live long and prosper, that's his thing. So I think one of the things that unites 
Star Trek fandom is the universal belief in what Gene thought humanity was capable of. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Eric, and on do a you want to level, you know, I, I I'm sorry. I was just gonna no, say on, gonna on say. a practical <laughs> level, when I when I see when I'm among Star Trek fans um and, and friends, I I see them in real time living out those ideals. I see them, you know, meeting at a Star Trek convention once and then becoming lifelong friends. Um I, I see them helping each other and supporting each other either in person or online or, you know, having each other's back or um you know, just just sitting back and laughing ab- about stuff and, you know, sometimes um, disagreeing, as family and friends often do. But ultimately, I think there's always a, a mutual respect and a mutual understanding um, that sort of transcends any conflict that could happen. Well, I've mm-hmm. never actually, I've never had the pleasure to meet either Eric or Charles in person. I've been talking to them on this podcast for years. Um, I consider them family, but I wouldn't know them standing in a room. I've never had the opportunity to meet either one of them. Um, But I met them through my involvement in Star Trek, and I think that's made my Mm -hmm. life richer and better for it. And I've met so many people in my life through my involvement with Star Trek. Um, It's just, it's, it's a family. And, um, you know, you might not like Voyager. Maybe you don't like Deep Space Nine. Maybe you don't like the Kelvin movies. But there's something in Star Trek that we all have in common, and we can all find a common ground. And that's what it's all about. And we have a caller on the line. Let's see. Hey, hello. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? I'm Shannon. I'm from Kentucky. Hey, hey, Shannon, how you doing? <laughs> Good, how you guys doing? I, I'm doing great. You're, you're you're another one of those phantom people that I've been talking to and met through Star Trek, but I've never had the opportunity to meet. <laughs> I know. I was hoping to see you this year, but maybe next year. Maybe next year. Yep, maybe next year. So uh, we, have, we have Rob Perlman on the line with us. Did you have a question for him? Oh, actually, I was just going to, I'm going to have to buy the red shirt book because that sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It is awesome. Thank you. Eric, I think I've uh, I've taken up enough of Rob's time. Did you have a question uh, or a comment you'd like to ask Rob? Well, I knew that Jim would want to cover a lot of the Star Trek stuff because obviously we're a Star Trek podcast, and so that's mostly what we talk about. But you dip pretty heavily in your books into another um, franchise slash person that I'm a a big fan of, and I have happy, happy memories of from childhood, and then I still partake in this occasionally, and that is the Bob Ross stuff. Um, You've written so many books uh, that that feature different parts of Bob Ross, Uh, kids' books, um, adult books, uh, coloring books, like activity books, all sorts of different stuff. And I just kind of wanted to, like, get your take on Bob Ross. I know what my take is on him and why I love him so much, um, but I just wanted to kind of hear it from somebody who's obviously thought about him a lot. (laughs) I thought about him a lot. Um, 
I, I've also I've thought about him when I'm like staring at the blank page. I'm like, oh, what would Bob do? Yeah, um, it's so true. Yeah, you know, Bob, um, kind of like Star Trek, was on after school for me. I think I started watching him uh, after jun- after school when I was coming home from junior high, and there was just something about Bob's voice, about his delivery, about his message. Honestly, not that different than what Gene Roddenberry would say. Mm-hmm. It was about, you know, self-confidence and believing in yourself that um, one of, I, I'm going to paraphrase, but one of my favorite things that Bob always said was that there, there's an artist in everybody um, and you just have to uncover it and, and, and work on it a little bit. And, and I think, you know, back then I was, I was thinking about becoming a writer or, or I knew that I wanted to be involved in books a little bit. And, and I thought, well, I can't paint, um, even though Bob thought I could, um, <laughs> but I, I, maybe I can write a little bit. So I, I think what Bob, one of the great things that, that Bob puts forth is that if painting isn't your thing, maybe writing is your thing. Maybe mm-hmm. sewing is your thing. You know, everyone can be a, a creative person if they put their mind to it and if they give them space if they if you give yourself space to fail at it you know there are no accidents there are no mistakes only happy accidents um (laughs) you know you you don't just write a book you write 14 books until the actual book (laughs) you know comes Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. um and and i think you know bob was part of that pbs crowd you know he and mr rogers and LeVar Burton, mm-hmm, another mm-hmm. Star Trek connection, mm-hmm. yep. um, where he just gave not only kids, but people of all ages, the permission and the freedom to be themselves and to explore and to try things um, without fear of recrimination or bullying or um, or feeling bad about it. You know, they all of those people... Um, believed you could do it and if they believed it why why you know who are you to tell them they're wrong about that's right that's right (laughs) um so when i had the opportunity to to work with bob's words and and play a very small part in continuing that mission all of which is to get people to be creative and to pick up a paintbrush or pencils or, or do whatever, but to um, stoke their creativity and that sort of passion for creation within, I was like, this is just too good of an opportunity to pass up. Um, You know, he was one of my idols when I was growing up, he and and, um, a a bunch of other people that I've been fortunate enough to meet um, either professionally or personally. And I thought this, this just feels right, um, but I'm not going to do it unless I feel like I can do it justice and 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 authentically represent the the core mission of of what he was talking about. And I think my my eighth book or ninth Bob Ross book is coming out um, next spring. Uh, there's another picture book and another board book coming out, so people seem to like it. So as, as long as they'll have me, I'll I'll keep doing it. <laughs> well, I love that idea of kind of diving deeply into somebody like him. We must be almost exactly the same age because same thing. I would come home and Bob Ross was on, Star Trek was on uh, after uh-huh. school. And, and uh-huh. he definitely – and I love that you drew that connection between him and Star Trek and kind of the ideals. 
and even bring Lavar into it. I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. Um, mm -hmm. Rainbow uh, being another part of that kind of trifecta of uh, what Star Trek morality was it <laughs> one way to do it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just think that that is really special that you've been able to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, so yeah, way to go. You've nice. also got like some of these, you've plugged into so many other franchises too. I mean, there's like uh, some of these sitcoms like Parks and Rec and The Office. Tell us about those. Yeah. Those look like yeah. fun little books. Um, picture books for kids are based on on the TV shows. In fact, The Office was the one that, um, I was fortunate to, enough to hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list for. Um, so both of those, you know, they take the, the characters that everybody knows and loves, but does something a little bit, I think, fresh and new with them while still maintaining the core of not only who the characters are, but what the shows are about. Um, so The Office is about being a good line leader and asking for help, um, which is something that could have appeared on the show. Um, and the Parks and Recreation book is all about Leslie Nope running for class president. So there's a little bit of politics in there, but it's also about relationships and making promises and doing the best that you can do. Um, and again, you know, admitting that you can't do everything and need a little bit of help. So I was really, really fortunate to work with the showrunners and um, NBC Universal and, and crafting these books that hopefully served fandom a lot there's it's there's tons of easter eggs in it for the adult fan and the super fan um but it also speaks to kids on a level that they can understand because they don't know necessarily what these shows are um you know these are written for pretty for pretty little kids so it gives them a fun entertaining engaging story with characters that their parents know um mm -hmm. so hopefully it's something that everybody in the family can enjoy as well that's right. Something, a little bit of something for everybody, just like uh, mm -hmm. all the great Star Trek that we have on the television these days. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, awesome. before, before we yeah, run out of time, yeah. though, I want to make sure that uh, Charles gets an opportunity, Charles, to talk to Rob. So take it away, Charles. It's your spotlight. All right. Well, Eric took, my, took part of my lead with Bob Ross. I hope both of you get a chance to watch the documentary on Netflix on mm -hmm. Bob Ross. That was a very interesting documentary. But I love his past, his past, and boy, that's a story. But Rob, tell us a little bit, if you can, about your other new Star Trek book coming out. From the point of view of Grudge, he's been on my pre-order oh. list for a few months. Oh, thanks. Um, so for those who don't know, the one of the breakout characters from Star Trek Discovery is named Grudge, uh, who is a gigantic, gigantic cat. Um, and she's owned, um, maybe she's owned or maybe she owns uh, <laughs> Michael Burnham's friend Booker. <laughs> Um, book Booker, and she was introduced last season. Uh, so I was very fortunate enough to interview Grudge on many, many occasions. And this is her story. It, it's her take on Starfleet. It's her take on the different uh, characters that she met throughout the season. Um, 
she is a, a poetic cat, so there are some haiku sprinkled throughout. Um, it's it has lovely illustrations throughout. Um, so yeah, it's the book of grudge. I love and it. And she doesn't hold a grudge. Uh, grudge we are looking you so just have to call her a queen. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we're looking forward to it. Definitely. She's a queen. And you know, you you don't you don't own a cat. A cat owns you. That's the difference between a cat and a dog. My cat AJ, he owns me. He lets me live here um, in his house. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's the difference between a cat and a dog. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the book of (laughs) grudge. We're looking forward to it. I looked at I looked at my Amazon account. It's like. Yes, I put this book on pre-order back in March. <laughs> I heard this book coming out. You had to go on pre-order, but yeah, I'm going to have to have it. <laughs> it's it's worth the wait. too good. <laughs> well, I can't wait for that one to come out in December. Thanks. It's going to – and what kind of uh, what kind of interviewer was grudged? Uh, was was – uh... Was she stuck on herself? Was she a big star? Did she hang out in her trailer? I mean, what, what oh can God. you tell us about Grudge? Uh, you know, unfortunately, I signed an NDA. Oh. Uh, so I, <laughs> I can't say anything. Uh, you'll have to speak to judges, uh, Grudge's agents uh, about everything. But uh, it was a delightful oh. experience, and I can't wait to see her again in person. Uh, yeah. And the release date is December 7th this year, so we can get it. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. right around the corner. Now, uh, there's actually uh, two grudges, correct? Two grudges? I, I believe there's two, and the there's actually two, cats. Two, two cats that play grudge, right? Uh, I mean, I only interviewed Grudge Prime. Maybe that was more Grudge. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, it's that Giorgio Grudge that you got to watch out okay. for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we're, we're really looking forward to the Book of Grudge. We've been talking about it what since we heard about it. And uh, yeah, we're going to be definitely definitely talking about that on our on a future podcast for sure grudge grudge is one of our favorite characters um, awesome on the show awesome. well i'm I mean, happy to come back and and talk for grudge if you'll have me we, we, uh, oh, yeah. you, you know <laughs> what sure. i'm i'm gonna hold you to that absolutely okay okay <laughs> we're definitely gonna have to have you back on when we can all get our our grubby little paws on the book of grudge and we're well definitely done. gonna have you back to talk about because I'm a cat owner, I love my cat mm-hmm. even, even when he's evil. I still love him, uh-huh. and um, you know we're definitely going to have you back, Rob, uh, to talk about the book of Grudge. And I looking look at my clock, we're just about out of time, believe it or not. Where does time go? Wow! Oh man, so, uh, space time continuum. That thing. Is it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, but before before I cut you loose, though, I just wanted to ask you: uh, Did you? What are you most excited for of all the new Star Trek projects that are coming out? We've got Discovery Season 4, Picard Season 2, Lower Deck Season 2, Strange New World Season 1, Prodigy Season 1. What, what are you looking the most forward to? There is so much to look forward to. It's, 
<laughs> this is the best time to be a Star Trek fan. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. just it's just remarkable what we've got to look forward to. But I have to say, I lost my head when I saw the Strange New Worlds. <laughs> Oh, God, yes, yes. (laughs) I mean, everything about it. It was just, they're writing this for me. This is incredible. Um, I I cannot wait. I cannot wait for A Strange New World. Yeah, that's good. That's definitely, I I have a thing for Anson Mount. I think he's awesome. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. He's the nicest guy. (laughs) I I wish I had an opportunity. To meet him maybe at a future convention when all this COVID stuff goes away. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I can get a chance to run into him at a convention. I did meet Ethan Tech and he was awesome. Um, oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. He is, he, and he's so cordial and he loves the fans and he's knowledgeable and he's just, he was great. He was absolutely great. But anyways, yeah. Rob, uh, we, we've used up our half an hour. Um, awesome. Can I just so, say one more thing super quickly because oh, we're talking about, about people in Star Trek? I want to make Absolutely. sure that everybody knows that everybody's favorite person, Ken Mitchell, contributed a forward for Starfleet Is. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, that's awesome. He was, he was gracious enough to share this lovely story about um, his experience on Star Trek, his experience with the fans, his experience with William Shatner. Um, and we are really, really happy to donate a portion of the proceeds for Starfleet is to ALS research. Awesome. Now, uh, Rob, so how th- can people? Thank you for letting me get that in. Yeah. How, where can they? Where can they get a? Uh, how can they get a copy of Starfleet is? Other than, you know, the obvious way, I just get uh, mine on my a, Kindle. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's the super obvious way where you just click on it. But honestly, it's wherever books are sold. Um, uh-huh. As a as someone who works in publishing and an author, I always suggest that people go to their local independent booksellers, um, and if they don't have uh-huh. it, to order it. Um, but yeah, there's you know there's Barnes and Noble, there's Amazon, wherever it's sold, you can find it there. Excellent, and you know I just want to say Ken Mitchell, um, I think it's great that they that they wrote a character for him specifically in the wheelchair in season three. And I heard yep. that they actually wrote a, a part for him specifically for season four as well. And I think that's just, I think that's so, that speaks to what Star Trek is. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I really think it does. Well, Rob, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to Trek Talk with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. This was fun. Thanks, Rob. I- and Rob, I'm, I'm going to get in touch with you as soon as we can get our pause, no pun, on uh, the Book uh, of Grudge. Um, <laughs> I'll shoot you an email, and we would love to have you back to tell us all the juicy details about Grudge. Happy to, happy to beam up anytime. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rob. Have a good night. You good too. Night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. We're going to take our first commercial break of the night, so... Run, don't walk off to the bathroom, grab something to eat, and come right back because we got a lot of Trek talking to go through right after we hear from my buddy TJ. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, 
as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing Ship-to-Ship Tactical Combat for the Tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back. We just finished talking with Rob Perlman, and uh, what a what a blast that was. And we're definitely going to have to be talking about the Book of Grudge. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, guys, now back to our regularly scheduled show. Um, Eric, what's what's going on with our numbers around the globe this week? Wow. Yeah, I mean, that was so cool starting out with Rob. But, yeah, we got to get down to business here, don't we? So uh, <laughs> let's talk about our international listeners here. So, uh, of course, about 75% of our listeners come from the U.S. of A., where we broadcast from. But uh, the other 25 come from elsewhere. And in that number one spot, holding steady for many, many weeks now, our brothers and sisters to the north in Canada with 6.28% of our listeners. That is up just a skosh from last week. So, uh that's kind of fun to see them on the rise after kind of being, uh, you know, playing second fiddle there for a little while. But, uh, you know, in that second and then quickly followed up in the third spot, in the second spot we have the U.K. with 4.81% of our listeners and Australia with 4.73% of our listeners right behind them. So uh, the U.K. and Australia always duking it out for that number two and three spot, but they have both – seen uh, the light of day up in that number one spot before too so uh let's see what happens next week in our number four spot we have ireland holding steady with 1.81 percent of our listeners and uh also here for several weeks now germany in the number five spot with 1.36 percent of our listeners so gosh guys thank you so much thanks uh, to everyone uh, you know listeners domestic and international we appreciate every single one of you and uh Without you, we'd just be sitting here talking to ourselves, right, Tim? Absolutely. Nobody wants to hear that, do they? So, uh, guys, if you – yeah, that would be pretty boring. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm sure we could fill it. We did it, we we did it last could. week. We, we did it without <laughs> Charles last week. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah, we, got, we muddled our way through. So, guys, every week we do our fan shout-outs where we give individual fan shout-outs to you. And uh, to have a fan shout out, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond, and pin to the top of the page is a giant live long and prosper. All you need to do is go there and tell us where you're listening from. And every week I pick some lucky fans. And if there's a heart next to your name from Truck Talking, that means I've chosen you and you want to tune in for the show to hear your name. So, Eric, why don't you get us started off with our international listeners? Yes, absolutely. And uh, Jim is always kind enough to give me the uh, any names that have strange letters that I do not recognize. So uh, if I massacre your name, I'm very, very sorry. But our very first fan shout out this week goes to Julianne Preistholm Kjellgaard in Denmark. I, I tried to sound kind of Danish there. I, I don't know if that worked at all. But <laughs> thank you very much for listening to us, Julianne. We really appreciate it. <laughs> You know, every week I try to stump you, and you always get through it. I I, I, I try to stump you, but I never do. <laughs> this one's got a got a letter that looks like an A and an E stuck together, so that was kind of interesting. 
Uh, well, we're also saying hello and thank you very much for listening to Carrie Rind uh, from Keith Walsh in London. Keith Walsh, I guess, is that a neighborhood maybe? Uh, I, I didn't have a chance to look that up before the show, but uh, I'm very curious. So, Carrie uh, from London, thank you very much for listening to us. And uh, both, uh, both Carrie and Julianne give us little flags from their countries, which is kind of fun. We're also saying hello. Thank you very much to Moshe Zafrani from Israel. That's right, right there on the banks. Uh, thank you so much for uh, listening to us over there in Israel. Charles, who's on your list this week? Well, I've got Jim Pearson from Houston, Texas. Gary Waterback. I'm in Mesquite, Nevada. Oh, he's about an hour north of me. It's still in the county. And Cicela Heights from Winter Park, Florida. Look at Nevada, Florida, and Texas. Boy, what a spot. Look at this right there. Ah, Fred Kim's going to go to New York. Oh, absolutely. We want to say, we want to send out a hearty kapla, thank you, and live long and prosper to Eugene Wainwright in Brooklyn, New York. Represent. God, I love Brooklyn, New York. Spent my summers down there going to Coney Island. Great pizza, great knishes. Man, I love, I love, love Brooklyn. Fifth Avenue and 53rd Street in Brooklyn, to be exact. On a clear day, I could look right down the hill and see the Statue of Liberty in the harbor. Man, I miss those days. Um, I'd also like to say hello and thank you to Mina Ken from Kanawaga, Japan. Domo arigato. And last but not least, I'd like to say hello and thank you to Gia Watson from Glasgow, Scotland, where my grandmother is from. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. And like I said, if you'd like to hear your name on a future fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page and say hello. If you see a heart next to your name, then that means you're going to be on the next fan shout-out. So with that, it's time for Star Trek Birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. And no, it's not, but we like it anyways, Warp. And uh, we always start out our birthdays with our remembrances, where we remember those members of our Star Trek family that are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, uh, this week we have several people who uh, we've lost from the Star Trek community who would have had birthdays this week. Uh, We start out with Merritt Buttrick, uh, who, of course, played David Marcus in Star Trek's two and three, and then later on actually had another role in TNB uh, as the character Tijan in the uh, episode Symbiosis. Uh, so happy birthday and our remembrances going out to Merritt Buttrick. We're also remembering this week Reggie Nadler, uh, who played Ambassador Shras in the TOS episode Journey to Babel. Uh, Shras was our very, very first look at an Andorian uh, with the blue makeup and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, of course, would lead into the Andorians becoming a regular part of Star Trek in later years. So. Happy birthday and remembrances going out to Reggie Nadler, who uh, originated that role and, and gave us our very first look at Andorians. 
We're also saying happy birthday this week to Harry Landers, who played the character Dr. Arthur Coleman in TOS's Turnabout Intruder. Uh, what a great episode. Wow, love that one. Uh, Harry Landers, Dr. Arthur Coleman from that episode. And then we have a set of twins that we've lost uh, from the episode, uh, from the TOS episode, I Mud. Uh, we've lost Alice Andres and Ray Andres. Uh, they both played various Alice androids in that episode, uh, which I always thought was kind of cool that they actually, you know, had to go and actually find uh, uh, twins uh, triplets to uh, work, <laughs> to make the episode work because they didn't have all the special effects they had. <laughs> later on so uh very cool origination of those roles who of course uh you know become a big part of 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 the mud story so happy birthday to the andre sisters we're also remembering this week bruce gray uh now he has played several roles in star trek he is probably best known as surak uh as shown in enterprises episode the forge uh and also awakening uh, two of my favorite Enterprise episodes. If you haven't watched the Enterprise series, uh, you don't know what you're missing. Uh, the Forge is darn good, um, and Sarek is an integral part of that. Nice to see him. He also played the character Admiral Chakotay, not uh, the Voyager Chakotay, but the the other one uh, with an E at the end from the DS9 episode The Circle and the TNG episode The Gambit Part 1. So Bruce Gray uh, getting in there into multiple... Uh, roles in Star Trek. Uh, we do miss him, and happy birthday to Bruce Gray. We're also saying happy you know birthday to Brian. Yeah. You know Brian what's did. interesting, uh, Eric, about the Forge? Uh-huh. Is the Forge actually is the first time that we actually get to see a Salat uh, yeah. on a live-action Star Trek. That was Spock's pet from the episode um, uh, yesteryear, and he was only in the in the animated series, but in the Forge, we actually get to see a wild Salat um, in the Vulcan Forge for the first time. Well, it, CGI, of course, but we mm-hmm. actually get to see one, which was really cool, a way of bringing TOS into, you know, the fold, which I thought was pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. I, I love those connections between uh, TAS and Enterprise, you know. And it, neither one of those shows gets a ton of love, but, man, there are some real gems in there, and that the Forge is absolutely one of those for me. Uh, we're also saying we're also saying happy birthday this week to Brian Morrow, who played Admiral Wester the Leap in the TOS episode Amok Time. Uh, yeah, uh, so an admiral there, uh, one of the non-evil admirals, because everyone knows that all the TNG era episode or era uh, uh, admirals are evil, <laughs> ultimately. <laughs> yes. Uh, and our final remembrance this week goes out to Richard Webb who played Lieutenant Commander Ben Finney in the TOS episode Court Martial, another gem uh, of an episode from back in the day. So happy birthday to Mr. Richard Webb. Uh, Charles, would you like to tell us about the folks who are still with us that have birthdays this week? I sure would. It's going to be a short list this week for me. we got Michael Dane, played Sicilian Chieftain Moab from TOS Friday's Child. Patty. Yasutaki. Yasutaki, thank you. Played nurse Alyssa Ogawa 
in D&D's first contact. Like, I think we saw her in more than one episode. She was also in um, Lower Deck, wasn't she? Yeah, I, I, I didn't list all of the episodes, uh, but she's been in quite a few. Yes. Yeah. She was a popular yeah. actor towards the end of the series in there. She's got a great attack wing card as well. Sion <laughs> <laughs> Young played Buck in DS9, If Wishes Were Horses. David Williams played Lisa. Excuse me. Davida Williams played Lisa in DS9, Children of Time. Yeah. And finally on my list, Amy Lindsay played Lana in Voyager's Endgame. Oh, I should say Boy's Endgame. Boy. We, we can't call it. It saves so much time. Yep. Yep. And oh, that was an interesting one. I found that one interesting because she was married to the doctor, who's holographic, yet she was an actual human. So I, I, I found that one to be very interesting. Actually. Yeah, that to me was like the culmination of the doctor's story to know that he, not, not, not necessarily that he had to marry a human, but just that that kind of like integration could happen. You know, I just, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting birthday to throw in there. So that yeah. was pretty cool. And uh, like like Charles said, our list is pretty short this week, but that's okay. Uh, starting off my list is Rod Ahrens, who played Ambassador Deleth in the Voyager episode Living Witness. And he also played Rex in the TNG episode Manhunt. A Manhunt is the one where uh, Oaxana Troy comes on board and she's going through the phase. <laughs> and she decides that she wants to hook up with Picard. Mm-hmm. And Picard hides in the holodeck, and this is the first time we see Dixon Hill, and Dixon Hill's buddy on the police force is Rex, and that's the first time we actually get to meet Rex and Dixon Hill, who we'll see again a couple more times. So, happy birthday to Rod. Um, I, I threw this one in here for myself. Is happy birthday to Harold Livingston, who was the screenplay writer for Star Trek The Motion Picture. Um, you know, just one of my favorites, actually. So, happy birthday to Harold Livingston. And uh, we lost play. Happy birthday to Corbin Burnson, who played Q2 in the TNG episode Deja Q. That was a great one. Um, yeah. that, that was so uh, much fun, that I, episode. I saw a panel with Q and Q2 together. Those two set off each other so well. Yeah, cool. Those guys can make a pretty good pair. That would have been funny. And I would also like to say happy birthday to Idris Elba, who played Krell in Star Trek Beyond. Um, (laughs) And he's been in a lot of other movies as well. But um, he played Krell in Star Trek Beyond, so happy birthday. Now the next one. This guy we've talked about many, many times. Um, I did not list every character that he's played, or we'd be talking about it for the next hour. Um, this, there's not an alien he hasn't played. He's been on all the shows, uh, including Lower Decks. He voiced a computer on Lower Decks. 
So uh, he didn't actually play a character, but he was on it. And uh, he's just been everywhere. This guy pops up all over the place. I think most fans would know him as the Ferengi Brunt. And if you don't know him as Brunt, you might know him from Deep Space Nine as Wei Yoon. And if that doesn't get you, you definitely, you definitely know him as the ultimate Andorian Shran from Star Trek Enterprise. And of course, I'm talking about the awesome Jeffrey Combs. And uh, he's just done so much. If you look him up, there are so many characters that he's played. This guy is a virtual, uh, just a menage a trois of Star Trek. Um, can I he's, can he's, I tell he's, you he's done it the all. first the first time I ever saw Jeffrey Combs I of course didn't know who he was but it was back in 1985 <laughs> I saw the movie Reanimator you ever seen that movie I don't know why oh. but that movie scared the crap out of me <laughs> back in 1985 <laughs> and then I learned later that that was Jeffrey Combs who was in all of my favorite Star Trek episodes and I was like wow that's some range man. That is some range. Yeah, he's he's done a lot. I I, I personally I love him as Shran, and I wish they had oh, done he's more. He's my favorite. You know, Enterprise had gone a little bit longer, and we actually could have seen the formation of the Federation, of the actual Federation, and not some holographic recreate. I don't want to go down that road. But then anyway, yeah, I, I really wish we had an opportunity <laughs> to see Shran develop. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. form the Federation as we know they do. So incredible actor, Jeffrey Combs. He's, he's brought to life some of our favorite Star Trek characters. And last but not least, we'd like to say um, happy birthday to the guy that I think is most responsible, one of the guys uh, that I think is most responsible for what we're going through now, the golden age of Star Trek. Um, he's the executive producer of Star Trek. Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Short Treks, Picard, Lower Decks, Strange New World, and Prodigy. I'm talking about Alex Kurtzman. Um, And with his new long-term contract, um, the interview that I saw with him, he was hinting at Starfleet Academy, that there's a good Mm -hmm. chance we might actually see that series come to light. And so, yeah, Alex Kurtzman. But I think that not only is Alex Kurtzman responsible, but I think that the person that is most responsible for the the massive Star Trek golden age that we're going through right now is somebody that Alex Kurtzman worked with previously on another Star Trek project, and that's J.J. Abrams. And I think that if J.J. Abrams didn't bring Star Trek back in 2009 and show all the bean-counting suit that Paramount that Star Trek can be a very lucrative business and that people will spend money if you give them quality that we wouldn't have the golden age that we currently have. If it wasn't for JJ bringing those movies to life and bringing people back to the theaters to support Star Trek. And I know a lot of fans hate that and they don't like JJ and they don't like the Kelvin movies and that's fine. You're welcome to your opinion. Uh, But in my opinion, if it wasn't for J.J. doing that in 2009, we wouldn't have Alex Kurtzman now with all these great Star Trek projects. So happy, happy birthday to um, Alex Kurtzman. And I have one big birthday left to mention, 
and that is Star Trek itself. Now, I do have to apologize to you guys because I had a whole bunch of trailer promos I wanted to play for you guys tonight on the show. A lot of stuff that re- that was released on Star Trek Day. However, uh, I couldn't download them onto the Block Talk radio site because Paramount put a blocker on them. No. Those oh. SOBs. <laughs> so um, we're not going to be able to play all these great trailers for you tonight. We're just going to have to talk about them. And one of the trailers that I wanted to play for you guys was, was the original promo for 1966 for Star Trek, which I can't play either. I'm going to try to get around them and get some type of debugger or, or uh, uh, something. Don't, I'm going to work on it, guys. I've never had a problem getting these things for you guys in the past. So hopefully by next week's show, I can play these. Tra- they'll be a week old. But we'll be able to play them for you hopefully next week. But you can find them. They're all over YouTube. They're on our Facebook page. Uh, so I don't have that for you, unfortunately. But happy birthday to Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek was actually released on the 8th. And what was the first episode, Eric? That was Eric. That was Eric. Well, that, <laughs> I know. That's always, <laughs> like the trick, that's always like the trick question. Right? <laughs> I always say, the man trap. absolutely that was the one the man trap that's the one that started the whole train a rolling so guys uh, believe it or not we finished up our birthdays and we're going to take another quick commercial break here and um, as you may have noticed our commercial breaks are a little bit more lenient now and um, and that's good that we're going to try this this new freestyle format where our, our segments can go however long they need to go. We're not going to cut anybody off. We're not going to, you know, like we had to do before. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back to our Star Trek news. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you'd like a free digital download code for Zone 414 with Zone with a Guy Pierce, which kind of, it does kind of sound like a Blade Runner type of thing. It also sounds like a show that, that I remember um, in the mid '90s um, that Star that uh, Carl Urban was in called Being Human or Almost Human, Almost Human. Um, you guys remember that one with the androids? Yeah. Am I the only one? It yeah, was no, no, kind no. Of cool. I, I, I sort of remember that. Yeah, and it definitely it definitely has um, you know the the Blade Runner kind of like aspect to it in that, but I also get a little bit of Westworld off of it to tell you the truth. Yeah, it, it sounds it sounds very very interesting. So, if you guys if, if would like to get a copy of that, all you have to do is give us a call at six four six 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 eight two four three three. Give us a call, and I'll be more than happy to. Uh, e- I, I need your email address, obviously, and I will email you a digital download of uh, Zone of Guy Pierce's brand new movie, Zone Four One Four. And in the in the vein of Star Trek and what we're talking about for Star Trek Day, for our first, our second commercial break, I want to play for you guys one of my one of my favorite all time favorite Star Trek teaser trailers, and uh, this is for Star Trek Six. For one quarter of a century, they have thrilled us with their adventures. 
amazed us with their discoveries and inspired us with their courage. Their ship has journeyed beyond imagination. Her name has become legend. Her crew, the finest ever assembled. We have traveled beside them from one corner of the galaxy to the other. They have been our guides, our protectors, and our friends. Now you are invited to join them for one last adventure. For at the end of history lies the undiscovered country. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And we're back. I love that trailer. That's one of my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite Star Trek trailers ever. And I think it's because I'm sitting in the movie theater, and the Enterprise flies over, and laid over the Enterprise are all my favorite scenes, the Gorn, the Romulans from, from TOS. And it was the, it's the first time you ever see TOS on the big screen. And the way they overlay it on the Enterprise and the narration and the way the Enterprise warps, it's just, oh, I, I love it. I think it's, it's phenomenal. And then, of course, Christopher Plummer's narration, I think, is a big part of it, too, because you get, like, Chang himself telling you why you should come see this awesome movie. Yes, and it doesn't show you a single clip from Star Trek VI. It doesn't say anything about the movie at all other than the title. And it's just, it's just so well done. If that, if you were sitting in a theater and that didn't make you want to go see the movie, I I don't (laughs) know. You're, yeah, you're, you're in the wrong theater. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. Well, we're going to do Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Black alert. That means it's time for Star Trek news. And Eric, you've got our first story. Well, I'm happy to once again be leading off with a Shatner says, what? But, you know, anytime that we do this segment, uh, you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes you're going to get the good. Sometimes you're going to get the bad. Sometimes you're going to get the ugly. William Shatner defends 1986 Get a Life SNL skit after criticism from Rod Roddenberry. In December 1986, one month after the release of Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, William Shatner hosted an eighth-season episode of NBC's Saturday Night Live. One of the skits called Star Trek Convention, but more often known as the Get a Life skit, poked fun at fans at Star Trek conventions. It featured Shatner becoming exasperated with the increasingly nitpicky fan questions until he disparaged the fans, saying, You know, before I answer any more questions, there's something I want to say. Having received all your letters over the years that I've spoken to many of you and some of you have traveled, you know, hundreds of miles to be here, I'd just like to say, get a life, will you people? I mean, for crying out loud, it's just a TV show. I mean, look at you. Look at the way you're dressed. You just 
and it, you've turned an enjoyable little job that I did as a lark for a few years into a colossal waste of time. In a new interview with The Hollywood Reporter to promote the upcoming Star Trek Day, Rod Roddenberry took issue with the 1986 skit. He said, I never really appreciated that skit because I think it was demeaning to the fans. I think it was disrespectful, especially for a character who was an open-minded, intelligent leader. I don't condemn it in any way. It's Saturday Night Live, and it's all fun. On Sunday, in a response to a tweet about the Roddenberry comments, Shatner responded with, isn't a presentism just wonderful presentism uh, along with an eye roll emoji Shatner followed up with some clarification explaining how presentism applied today's value system to moments in the past quote it's presentism because it applies today's value systems and beliefs about what is bullying and what is disrespectful to a time when those were not the values or opinions and nobody was really offended but the mindset of people uh, have uh, that, but uh, the mindset people have is that it makes them look intelligent and caring. After 35 years, people are still talking about the SNL sketch. As Smeagol told The Ringer, quote, it may be the most resonant sketch ever wrote there. So I, wow. I've, definitely, I've definitely seen this sketch. Um, you know, I, in some ways, I personally, my personal opinion is that I tend to agree it's an SNL sketch. Uh, you know, it was meant to kind of be way over the top because that's what SNL sketches do. That does not mean that I disagree with Rod Roddenberry's view <laughs> that it is disparaging to the fans. I absolutely think it is. Um, and I do think that was the comedy of the time. Uh, not saying it's forgivable at all from my standpoint, once again, my personal view. But uh, but isn't it funny that like we're still talking about this sketch and it was done in 1986? Well, I remember when that when that oh, sketch yeah. came out, and yeah. uh, we you know yeah. going to Star Trek conventions, and uh, this was we didn't have uh, cell phones with the technology we have today, and people. Very, very few people had a VHS machine. So this particular skit was bootlegged at conventions for like big dollars because you, you, you know, you just, you couldn't get it. Like, so you'd go to a convention and everybody would be playing it and they'd be playing it in the ballroom and people would be talking about it. And, and at the time, at the time, Shatner wasn't doing Star Trek conventions. He right. was embroiled in this, this conflict with Paramount because I'm not getting my residuals, so I'm not doing it. And he wouldn't do conventions. And for 12 years, he didn't do any until Star Trek V came along, and then he wanted to get in good graces with the fans and started doing them again. But at this point in time, he wasn't doing conventions. So he went out and he lambasted the fans, and he didn't have to hear it from the fans because he wasn't out on the circuit. But when Star Trek V came out, and he was back out on the circuit. Then he heard it. And I know. Uh, he set himself up. He he did. Yep. And even to this day, get a life. I think is one of the, is. I think that's his. Uh, I think you hear get a life just as much as you hear beam me up, Scotty. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But or, me, or that other horrible, horrible one that I hate. Um, Shut up, Wesley, which is the worst. I hate that one. That that is yeah. the worst. Um, 
for me personally, I laughed so hard at that skit. And yeah. I thought it was so funny. And because you know even it was today, true in some ways, right? <laughs> like it, 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 it funny is because it was true. <laughs> yes, it was funny because it was true. And you know, Saturday Night Live went way over the top, and that's what they do. Um, but it was funny, and I thought that it was. Um, I thought it was in taste for the time that it was done. Actually, um, I don't think you would see something like that today. But back in the eighties, like like Shatner said, the world was different, and it was funny. And I, I I wish I could. I wanted to find the clip to play for you guys. But if you guys go to YouTube and try to find it, you can't find it. Saturday Night Live, or I don't know why somebody pulled it. You can't you can't find it on the internet. You can find little snippets of it, but you can't find the whole skit anymore, which is really weird. Because I know there's a lot of listeners out there who probably have never seen this clip and I wanted to play it for you guys. Um, I'm going to keep scouring the internet and try to find it. And uh, if I can find it, I will play it for you guys in a future show, but I could not find a copy to play for you guys tonight. So I apologize, but Shannon, did, uh, did you see this skit when it, when it was, when it came out and what did you think about it? Well, I don't remember seeing it, but I was at a, at a convention right after that, and that was kind of how his attitude to the fans were. He didn't that doesn't make eye contact. He didn't do autographs at that point or any of that stuff. So I actually took it at that as that's actually his attitude towards it. They just, you know, as he got older, realized that's a bad idea because, you know, he makes money off us, all that stuff. But I really think that's how he felt at that point. And he's in Kentucky a lot, and that's kind of his attitude for a lot of people when he deals with them. So I think that's how he is. I, I you know, I agree. Um, I want to interject a little story here, a two part story. Mm-hmm. I, I went to a, the convention that he did in New York city. The first one he'd done in, in ages, he refused to sign my star Trek picture, ticked me off. And then later on, yeah. a few, a few years later, I was doing a star Trek convention up in Albany, my first convention. And the local TV station went up to Saratoga, New York, where Shatner was racing some horses. And they got him right. to sign a Star Trek photo, a black and white photo of him holding the Enterprise that was on the cover of TV Guide. And they got him to sign a mm-hmm. Star Trek photo, which is which was like unheard of at that time. Mm-hmm. And they, they brought it to me and said, here, we have a, a Shatner autograph for your charity auction. And I thought, wow, this is going to fetch a fortune because Shatner doesn't sign Star Trek pictures. Right. So we put it up on the auction block. Mark B. Lee was my auctioneer. Guess how much Mark B. Lee was able to, to ring out of the fans for an authentic autographed Captain Kirk photo by William Shatner. What, what do you think, Eric? How much do you think he can ring out of the fans for that? For charity. Uh, for charity, um, 5000 bucks. Cool. How about you? What do you think, Charles? I'm going to say maybe 100 at that time. All right. All right. Well, I I was going to buy it myself because uh, I never got a Shatner autograph myself. But like Shannon just said, the fans were so <laughs> mad and irate at William Shatner <laughs> that Mark – and you guys have met Mark Lee, right? You know who yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. stood on his head. He did everything. He tried it all. He was only <laughs> able to get – 
twelve dollars. What? Wow! Oh. Wow! Twelve dollars oh, for the for for the autograph of, of William Shatner for charity, and it was for the di- uh, 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 Mark Leonard's daughter. What did she have? ALS? Uh, was it ALS or diabetes? Mm. Uh, anyway, Mark Leonard's daughter was had I forgot what it was, and that was the charity we were raising money for. Twelve dollars. Twelve dollars. That's crazy. Twelve. Wow. I was like, my God, I would have bought it. I was myself. like, I thought it would be way high for charity. Yeah, that's weird. I, yep. Twelve dollars. Yeah. Just just as a funny, just 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 to put that in perspective for you guys. Just okay. Mm-hmm. On the table when you walked into the convention, I had my boombox because back then that's what we had. And uh, mm-hmm. sitting at the table was my CD player, and we were playing in the CD player. I was playing the Star Trek The Motion Picture soundtrack. So there was some ambiance, some Star Trek feel when you came into the convention. So my stack of CDs were sitting on the table there. Well, Mark did not know that they were my CDs, and he auctioned them off for charity, and he got $20 <laughs> for my Star Trek The Motion Picture CD. And only twelve You're for the Shatner's autograph. <laughs> can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, Mark, oh. you sold. Oh my god! <laughs> you sold that my CDs, Mark. <laughs> you <funny>. donated them. <laughs> I donated them to charity. Uh, you, you know, it, yeah, it happens. So, yeah. <laughs> would you like but, to know uh, my? Yeah. You want my um, Shatner story? Yeah, if you have one. Okay. Yes, um, because here when he's in Kentucky, you don't talk to him about Star Trek. He's here every year at the Derby and at the fair because he races the horses. But you don't talk about Star Trek if you see him. He gets mad. So I went to the first of the Star Destination London, to the first one, you know, and I only paid for his autographs because I wanted all the captains on one thing, okay? So he's just signing, 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 not looking up at all, okay, as everybody's doing stuff that, but I said, oh, I really like the statue you commissioned at the Fraser Museum, which was here in Louisville, like a month before that. He's, he looks up and smiles at me. I'm like, oh, my God, I got a reaction. Because everybody else, he didn't look at them. He just kept going. It's like, really? That's nice. Yeah. Something his wife, he and his wife had done. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so I felt like how I won. About, how about you, Charles? <laughs> yeah, Shatner story? Or what did you think about the skit? Uh it probably was kind of funny at that time, 86. But Rod, Rod is a little bit of a different generation. I'm not sure his age. I think he's a little more of a younger generation. And I think he's kind of focused on what's acceptable now compared to what's acceptable then. And I think current culture that one's a little less accessible. But we sat and a few of us have sat and talked. If you think of movies, one of them that just comes to mind is Blazing Saddles. You couldn't remake Blazing Saddles modern day. This is not modern comedy. We laughed at a lot of things back then that nowadays is a little more on the edge and a little more of what we don't want to say. So sure, it was a little bit of a chuckle at the time. Now it's a little more serious, and 
think a current Star Trek fan would do such a thing. A, a current Star Trek star would probably do something similar to that uh, on Saturday Night Live anymore. I, think I mean, a different time. It wow. is. Remember, right. this guy just celebrated his 90th birthday, right? I'm not making excuses for him, but like that's where you got to come from. <laughs> yeah, and and I think I think Shannon hit on it perfectly. It's Shatner. Yeah, I don't think anyone yeah. else could have gotten away with that except for Shatner. Um, yeah. And actually, I don't know if anybody else would have done it except for Shatner. To be honest, well, and it's. I think it's also a really good point to put it in context of the time. You know, it is Shatner and also what you were saying, Jim, about like where he was and his relationship to Star Trek at that time. I think those are all important things to remember as we, as we rewatch this skit, you know, but I love it. I I laugh every single time I see it. I just think (laughs) get a life, move out of your parents' basement. It's just, I remember it at the time, and it, it it was funny. And I think I think Charles is right. Um, it wouldn't go over today, but uh, Shatner says what is always a great one of our great segments. So, um, and Charles, you've got our next story for us. Dun 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 dun. And I didn't see this article. So I had a big question mark on my Picard. So, and so I didn't realize this happening. But we are your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to serve as us. Resistance is futile. That can't be good. Oh, that can't be good. Yeah. Well. And when you saw this last night, you're like, my mind was, wait a minute, who is this character? Is it going to be one of our heroes? But not quite. Borg Queen will appear on Star Trek Picard Season 2, played by Annie, Annie Worship. Circus Picard is wrapped up its second season, but we are now learning about another classic character returning. Actress Annie Wershing is playing the Borg Queen in Star Trek Picard Season 2. Wershing had a recurring role appearing multiple times in Season 1. Oh, shoot. Somebody broke the article. In appearing in multiple season two episodes, Queen was originally created to provide a villain who could personify the board collection for the 1986 Star Trek First Contact, played by Alice Krug. The character returned in another episode of Star Trek Voyager, played by Susan Thompson, with Krug uh, playing returning to play the Queen and Voyager season finale in 2001. The Borg played a big role in season one of Picard, focusing on the aftermath of the former drone called XPS. Trying to rediscover their identity. This includes bringing back the TNT character Hugh, John Delarcos, 
Voyager 7-9. Jay Ryan. Season 1 also is the exploration of lingering impact on Jean-Luc Picard for being assimilated and transformed to Lapidus, which was also explored in her context. Exactly how the Borg Queen will factor in a season 2 is unknown, but chances are it will involve some kind of time travel. An early trailer for the new season, which also gave fans a tease of John J. Q hinted that there would be a major there would be a major theme in the next installation of series. Now an update is last night preview Picard. And we actually get to see the Borg Queen there and there's references to time travel in making the effect that they may need the Borg to travel back in time to fix what she did. And I'm going to discuss more of that when we actually talk about the card. And we definitely are. And uh, the last story we have in our news section is uh, Star Trek Picard wraps up production on season two and moves on to season three. That's right. They're doing season three. Production on the second season of Star Trek Picard started on February in Los Angeles after the pandemic put a halt to the plans of starting last summer. And it looks like things wrapped up just this week. The confirmation came on Thursday via social media post from members of the crew. An Instagram post from digital imaging technician Ryan Kunkelman showed off a clapboard of the 10th and final episode of season two. His message read in part, that's a wrap on season two. While filming on season two is done, previous reports indicate that the plan is to transition the production of season three immediately. During the pandemic, in addition to fine tuning season two, the writer's room moved forward to develop the third season. Some of the Picard crew posting about wrapping up season two noted they were halfway done. Kokelman's Instagram post also lose the transition as he notes he is going to miss those that have to leave for Season 3. Discovery Season 4 is set to debut on Paramount Plus later this year. Both Picard Season 2 and Strange New World Season 1 are set to debut in 2022. Now, just just uh, a little math that I did here for you guys. Star Trek Lower Decks wraps up on October 14th. Prodigy starts on October 28th. And assuming there's 10 episodes, will run until December 30th. Star Trek Discovery Season 4 will start on November 18th and run until February 17th of 2022. That means that Prodigy and Discovery are going to run simultaneously. So Star Trek Thursday will start with an episode of Prodigy and end with an episode of Discovery. That's going to make our podcast extremely busy for that, for those couple of months. And then Picard uh, season two airs on February 24th and goes to April 22nd. Again, that's assuming it's 10 episodes. And I co- you come up with that February 24th date because the trailer says coming in February, and that's the last Thursday in February. So 
It has to be February 24th to April 22nd. And then Strange New Worlds says coming in 2022, which means we could see Strange New Worlds in May. Um, We could see it in April, but, um, you know, May would be the earliest we would see it. And that's the calendar as I've worked it out for the upcoming releases of Star Trek. So what do you guys think? First, so for the first time since DS9 and Voyager were on the air at the same time, we have uh-huh. more than one epi- more than one series running at the same time on the air. I just think that is so cool. So yeah. cool. That that is really I'm so excited. I, it's, it's a great time to be a Star Trek fan. Well, I was I mean, it, it, you should book our flights in the end of February back to L.A. again? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, guys, well, we're going to take another we're, we're going to take another quick break here, and uh, I'm going to play for you guys uh, the Picard trailer. This is not the new one. Um, and then we're going to come right back, and we have a lot to talk about. Paris? Paris? Paris! What the hell is happening here? Excellent question, Jean-Luc. Oh, dear. You're a bit older than I imagined. Mon capitaine, how I've missed you. Kill. Welcome, my friend, to the very end of the road not taken. Time has been broken. We can save the future, and I will get us home together. promise you that I will get a copy of the new trailer for you guys next week. So let's dive in. What do you say? We got a lot to talk about. Let's start with Strange New Worlds because I love Anson Mount and he's the man. Okay. So oh, I'm not, no, not just Anson now. So now. Oh, Anson now. We, uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I think so we need to first, go into black alert. I think we need a black uh, alert. Yeah, let me let me find the the, the black alert. Where where I I know I have it. Let me find it here. It should be under B for black, right? <laughs> you would think. You know, wouldn't it you think that the block talk radio would put these? Yeah. yeah, you would think they would put these things in alphabetical order, but they don't. They put them in whatever order I download them in, which means I, there it is. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. <laughs> so, first off, I was I was a touch disappointed that we didn't get an actual look at the show, an actual trailer at first. But my disappointment mm-hmm. just ebbed right away because, mm-hmm. um, and I'm again, I'm going to try to get this trailer for you guys to play next week. They introduced the actors and the characters that they are playing. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not going to get into the top three because we've already seen them on Discovery, so we're not going to waste any time with them. 
So I do want to jump into, yes, Cadet Uhura. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't have the name, but the, the actress is this, we're going to see Cadet her Uhura. Name, yeah, her name is Celia Rose Gooding. And I think it's also important to note that when she introduced her character, she introduced her with first and last name. So Nayara. Uhura, right? Because uh, yeah. she was never given that first name, really, in the in the original series. So I think it's important to note that she is, and in fact, that will extend to some of our other characters as well. But yeah, super excited yeah, to see her, guys. When they said Cadet Uhura, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? That, oh, <laughs> that is the coolest, coolest. I was just like, wow. That's just, yeah. wow. Mind blown. But as if that wasn't enough to blow your mind, we're not done. Because we're going to blow it some more. So if, if on um, what episode was that? Was that Galileo 7? Um, I think it was Galileo 7. There was another doctor on the Enterprise. Now, we all thought it was going to be Dr. Philip Boyce. Yeah, that's what I thought. But boy, too. were we wrong. It was Dr. Mangata. And, uh, oh, God. I don't have hmm. No, you're Thanks. almost you're, <laughs> you're I'm, I'm almost close. there. It's Doctor it's Doctor Mbega and, yes, uh, and he is being played by the actor Babs Olusa Mokun. Olusa Mokun. Yes. Yes. Now this doctor, uh, I believe he appeared in two episodes of TOS and he was mentioned as being a Vulcan specialist, I do believe. So he was on the Enterprise, he was mentioned, he was seen. So that was really so that was really cool. The, yeah, the he showed up one, in the TLS, yep. just to mention that doctor. he showed up in the – oh, go ahead, Charles. He was the doctor to cover when McCoy wasn't available. If something, right. McCoy wasn't for some reason available, then this doctor was took his spot. And he shows up in yeah. the TOS episode of Private Little War, and I think the thing that people might remember him for is that he slaps the heck out of Spock to bring him out of his Vulcan healing state. <laughs> he, like, gives him a good <laughs> hard crack. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about that. But the next one, so we're going to learn about number one, played by Major Barrett originally, but there's another Major Barrett character from TOS that pops in around and had a relationship, well, maybe had a relationship, wanted a relationship with Spock. And that's, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. Nurse Christine Chapel. She's going to be on Strange New Worlds as well. And by uh, Jess Bush. Jess Bush. Jess Bush. That's right. And I was like, oh, my God, they, they're blowing my mind here. I, I can't take this much more. This is just mind blown. But well, and did you notice? But Well, I know we're not done, but the cool thing I will just note about her real quick, Jim, is that when they show her actual character for Strange New Worlds, she's wearing a white uniform, a kind of a little bit more in the style of like those Discovery medical uniforms, which I think is really cool. Yeah, now, um, yeah, and, and, and I, oh, God. Keep going, man, keep going. We don't have much time. So the next, the next one that popped up there, so those were what they're what they're calling legacy characters, but yeah. this next one uh, may or may not be a legacy character. I'm not. Sure. Uh, the name of, the name sounds familiar, but we don't really know. And this was Lanan Lan, Lan, Lanian Lan, 
Lahan Noonien Singh. Um, and that, that name should sound familiar to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, anybody? Anybody? Is, is, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> is there anything there, or are they just throwing that out there? There's got to be something there. They wouldn't do it unless there was, right? So she's going to be like a descendant or something. Yeah. We're yeah, because that so, was, yeah, that's, it's just similar to his mom's name, I think, in the book, too. I'll have to look it up, though. It is. Yeah, we talked I, a little I, bit about how he's got, like, depending on which lore you follow, right, there's a bunch of beta lore about Nguyen um, Singh where he's got, like, wives and kids and all kinds of stuff out there. So could be they're bringing some in. Yep. Uh, and the, the next two are interesting um, because we have a, a character named Hammer, who's an A and R, a white Hammer. Andorian, yep. and yep, played by uh, Bruce Horak. That was interesting because I, I remember from Enterprise there was only one white Andorian that flew the the Romulan ship, right? Well, it was technically so, two because there was Jamal and then there was a female one as well. Right. Oh, that's right. So uh, how they're going to explain that there's another one, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But that that was really interesting. Um, and, 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 was, and I just want to mention that the ANR that they show in this shows up in a Starfleet uniform. So that is tripping me out. Like, I am just like, what? How are they going to put Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that, that was Enterprise. We're past Enterprise. Oh, for era. sure. Yeah, but I mean, right. like, they oh, basically right. are having, like, a, like, are they going to bring in the precognitive abilities of these Anar into a character that they're going to bring into Strange New Worlds in Starfleet? That is, that blows my mind. Yeah, that's, that's, I, yeah. wow. And the last character that they mentioned was uh, Ortega. And Erica she's a Ortega. Erica Ortega. Right, and I I know absolutely nothing about her whatsoever. Um, nope. So played by Melissa Navia. Um, she looks like her look just kind of reminds me of Jet a little bit from back in the day. She's got this like short butch kind of look to her, so I'm very interested in her character as well. Now, if you notice, they did they 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 wear a slightly different uniform. Doesn't have the collar. Um, and it's got a zipper up the front. It's a little bit closer to the TOS era T-shirts, but it doesn't have a sew-on patch. It actually has a badge on it, like we're used to seeing. Um, Thank goodness. Thank goodness, because they yeah. can't get rid of the communicators at this point. I know they've retconned them, but, or not communicators, sorry, the badges, the metal badges. Right. Because, you know, they, they just, uh, they've started using them. they got to keep using them now. You can't start sewing them in the uniform. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, um, and you can see the logo. They have the new Strange New Worlds logo, so we know what the what the logo is going to look like. And uh, when they did show the characters, we get to we did get to see glimpses of the transporter room, of the bridge, and of the new uniforms. And I was just psyched. Now, the one thing they're going to do with the show, which is different, is it's not going to be a ser- it's not going to be serialistic storylines, but it is going to be serialistic character arcs and that I think is very important because you know if Captain Picard if Captain Pike gets uh, stimulated by the Borg in one episode that experience is going to carry on and affect him in future episodes which which I think is great um, and the city episodes are going to be standalone episodes similar to TOS I'm just wondering are they going to have A, B, and C storylines or is it going to be one self-contained story um, but 
I am psyched and pumped for Strange New Worlds. But we have to wait till April or May to see it. Um, so the next tidbit of information that we have to talk about, Star Trek Picard. We talked about it. Season two is done. Season three is, is halfway done. So that's awesome. Um, the Borg Queen is going to be back. We do see her in the trailer. And when I watched the trailer about 35,000 times to analyze it, and basically what I've come up with is this. Um, for, some, for some reason, Q goes and changes the past. Uh, we, don't well, we don't know why. We don't know Q changes it. We don't know Q changes it. We just know he comes to the card about it. It's it's changed, right. and um, uh-huh. so it's different. And uh, we do see we we hear Laris narrating the beginning of the trailer, and we see Picard, and this is where he's he. And I went back and paused it, and so he's in his vineyard, and whether or not he's in his vineyard in the future or whether he's in his vineyard in the past, I'm not sure. But he's in his vineyard, and the windows are all broken out, and he bends down to pick up a piece of broken glass, and he's looking at a rose. And then he has a flashback to his mother coming in, and now the vineyard's all green and new, and the windows are there, and his mother's telling him something. Uh, and then he moves back in time, and he's going backwards as a little boy out, out through the thing, and then everything changes. So obviously it's at that point in time where time is altered somehow by someone. Whoever that might be, and now we go to the future. Well, is it the future or is it an alternate? I don't know. But the next place oh, I that think we it's go, an alternate. yeah, it's some weird something. We got is the black uniforms, and I think that's an alternate timeline. Yeah, uh-huh. it's some. It's not what we're used to seeing, and um, life is different. The Federation doesn't exist anymore. The Federation is more like um, the Terran Empire in the mirror universe. It's a totalitarian system, and Picard is the man. He's running with, ruling with an iron fist, and Seven of Nine is his right-hand henchman. And they're standing on stage doing whatever it is they do. And it, it looks very interesting, to say the least. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like very, very intrigued by the whole thing. And uh, they end up going back in time, and I, this is where I wanted to talk to you guys. They go back in time. Uh, they go back to what, 1990, is it? They say the 21st century, so I assume it's now. Okay. So they go to now, and here's the interesting thing. Here's the thing I wanted to throw at you guys. They said that Guinan was going to show up. We know that Guinan's on Earth. Huh? She's in in the 1890s. She's on Earth in San Francisco. I think she's uh-huh. still on Earth at that point in time, and that she's the one they hook up with. Because if you remember in yesterday's Enterprise, Guinan's not affected by time changes. Guinan knows right. when when time is altered because she's got I don't know a, a Lorian uh-huh. abilities. They never really explain it to us, but for some reason she's not afraid of Q. And she's very tuned in to, to the, the flow of time. Now, they haven't said anything about Whoopi Goldberg. They haven't shown us her in any clips. They haven't spoiled it at all other than she's going to be there. And I think that's how she's going to get there. I think they're going to go and meet with her, and she's going to help them fix the timeline like she did in yesterday's Enterprise. Just 
my thought. What do you guys think? Okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in my belief in this, and I just looked it up from my exact detail. Star Trek Universe World War Three was 2026 to 2052. What happens if we lost World War Three? We talk about predictions of what happens if we lost World War Two and the Germans took over. What if we lost World War Three? And that's what turned Starfleet. Oh, because Khan would still be here when they come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah eugenic wars is in there. Yeah, because that's the only reason he left. So he was, because he was losing, really, in, in some of the World War yeah. III is in the middle of the 21st century. Huh? What if we turned and we lost World War Three? Yeah, I suppose. Ooh, I guess, I, 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 yeah, I, I guess anything is possible. I, I, I my only the, the the only thing I w- would say about that is that we really don't know enough about World War Three to know really. Uh, well, we don't really know. I mean, I guess I got the sense that everybody lost World War Three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's I when so. Khan and them left. So uh, it'd be kind of interesting okay. if it was like when they came back and had to let the woman die to let the future go forward. So it would be interesting if they let Khan, if they ran to Khan and they let him live, and then it had to deal yeah. with him later. Yeah, no, that is an interesting okay. parallel back to TOS, Shannon. I, you know, if they were to do something similar to that where they they have to do it, I guess that that you know makes it a little more interesting. Yeah, and, okay. and it would also uh, help explain why we have Noonien Singh on Strange New Worlds. But let's also throw in, remember back to Farpoint. Remember the courtroom that she was in? And we saw those guards that were kind of smoking some kind of narcotic. That's yeah. World War Three. You have yeah. shown us get to World War Three. You might go back to World War Three because kids been there before and brought Picard with him. Well, and if I to continue the trial, if, if I could offer my quick opinion on this, I really hope. Um, that they don't lose. I, I must admit, I, 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 as you guys know, I texted you all after we saw this trailer, and I was kind of, I don't know, I was a little bit like I wasn't sure about it because to me, one of the real strengths of the Picard show in season one is that they focus on the character of Picard, and it's a very intimate story that is talking about big topics like life and death and moving on and, and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't, it didn't feel so epic to me, you know. I I think about Discovery Season 2, you know, we have to do this to save all sentient life. Uh, Now it feels like in Picard Season 2, we're back to, we have to do this or the future is totally ruined. I, I hope that within that context, they're still able to 
explore. I mean, they got they still have to talk about like what's it like for Picard to be to have this different body, right? <laughs> like, there's that whole topic they have to cover. Um, I, I I hope they don't lose the intimacy of the show uh, because I feel like those tiny small character interactions were a, a real asset to the show that I don't think I think you've got your discoveries in your strange new worlds to kind of like deal with these epic, epic things, you know, let's keep this one a little bit more intimate. I mean, it's already in the can, so we'll get what we get. But um, I, I've seen enough alternate universes and enough things at this point that I was a little less interested in the trailer than I thought I was going to be personally. And the one thing that, that is obvious to me is not going to be dealt with is, is Girardi killing Bruce Maddox. Yeah, that's not going to be right. dealt with. And also, we haven't seen some of the people. Like, is there any aftermath? Like you were saying, the, this whole aftermath thing. What's the whole fallout from all of the Android stuff from the end of season one, right? Like, there's still things to deal with that are left un, undone. And, and I think they're going to launch us into a new story and just kind of leave some of that dangling on the tree. Personally. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. And, and uh, well, there's, wow, 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 wow. We've got so much more to talk about. Okay, so quickly, 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 we can talk more about this stuff next week, but but quickly, Prodigy. Prodigy dropped the first trailer on us, and I was blown away. Oh, my God. I love the animation for this show. It's, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. It's bright and colorful. The it's heart, just incredible. Like the heart that these that these trailers have in them, where you're just like, I, there's all this like, it's like sunshine. You watch one of these trailers, and it's like watching sunshine, and just kids explore and deal with like life, and ah, it looks so cool. I just I can't <laughs> wait to see it. I just I was, you know, and it's a different animation than Lower Decks, mm-hmm. but I love yep. it. I, I totally just, different. I I cannot wait to see what the future of Star Trek. There's so many different. Feels and different moods on different shows, and I'm just I'm pumped for Prodigy. As Absolutely. much as the Strange New Worlds was your favorite, Jim, this the Prodigy trailer was definitely my favorite spoil from um, from Star Trek Day. It was so good, and it and yeah. they give you a lot of info too. You should go watch it because there's a lot of cool spoilers in there. Well, and I, I promise you guys, I'm going to have the trailers, all these trailers. I'm going to find them and have them for you next week. I. I I will, I promise you. Well, it was interesting. I was trying to, I was looking at re-reviewing the Prodigy teaser on my computer, and I realized the animation on the computer doesn't look as good as it does on my HDTV. The HDTV, the animation was far superior. Oh, it pops right off the screen. It's incredible. Yeah. The detail was so incredible. The laptop just cannot handle that much detail. Wow. The one one that caught me, Charles, the the one that got me the most, I don't remember where it was in the trailer, but the rock creature, the the rocky (laughs) creature there, I think his name is Ruck. When Ruck is trying to fly the ship and push the pew 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 button, and the camera zooms in on on Ruck's face, and 
her eyes just just looked alive. Yeah. The animation yeah. was just so mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. It, it just it pulled me yeah. right in, and I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. This is like <laughs> to, to wow. Me, okay, to me, this is a bit of a Star Wars reference, but I actually took this line right out of the teaser, where the leader said, "Find the pew 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 button." <laughs> I can't find the pew 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 button. Push all the buttons so it goes pew pew. Wow. <laughs> that sounds like such a Star, Trek, Star Wars reference. But it's funny in a Star Trek episode. Yep. Now listen, guys. Um, wow. We're just about, well, actually, we're not out of time. We are not out of time, actually. We, we have a few minutes left here. Well, let's talk real quick about Lower Decks. Because we don't want to get behind because we have so much to talk about next week. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, let's let's talk real quick. An embarrassment of the Dopplers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I watched it twice. And, and, and I got to say, uh, it, it was my least favorite episode of the season so far. I, I did. I still enjoyed it. There was a lot of great references, as always. And I really liked mm-hmm. the character building that they did in this episode. It was great. But it didn't have the same feel that the last two had for me, and um, I, I thought it was great that they we saw Captain Shelby. That was mm-hmm. cool, and mm-hmm. then her first officer that was standing next to her was actually the prototype for for Saru. I thought that was cool, um, uh, but 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 overall, it wasn't my favorite. It was. Um, the, the last two I thought were so strong and well done that, uh, you know, this episode, uh, on a scale of one to ten, I'd probably give it a seven. Mm. A seven. How about you, Eric? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to go a little higher, I think, this week. I enjoyed this one more than the one that I think was two weeks ago. Um this one, we're back to kind of the standard layout uh, where you've got Tendi and Rutherford hanging out, and you've got uh, Mariner and Boimler hanging out doing their things. Um, a really fun car chase, I will say. Um, and, of course, the really good references, like you were saying, um, who knew Quarks was a franchise now? It's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, o- I think I like this one a little bit more than you did, Jim. I'm going to give this one an eight and a quarter myself. Um, and not quite as strong as last week's, but but pretty good. I liked it. Did you notice during the car chase that we saw Antedians? Yeah, we we saw man, we saw Gorn, we saw Antedians, we saw um, oh, what the the blue race guy? I looked up the Mizarians. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we saw all kinds of very interesting races, and of course, the new race, these Duplers, that you know get stressed out and kind of duplicate themselves, which I think gives a fun kind of triple esque, you know, feel yeah. to the episode. Yeah. It's almost it's almost like a kid friendly, you know, with these people who can't stop duplicating themselves. I will just say I'm going to give Charles a chance here because I know we're out of time. My absolute favorite part though is during the car chase when they're blasting through all the different areas. And, um, you know, Boimler's kind of, like, naming off what, what they're seeing as they're blasting through these certain areas. And they blast through this area with all these Vulcans, and the car goes through, and the two Vulcans look at each other, and they go, fascinating. <laughs> that was funny. That was really funny. That was funny. My favorite part. What did you think, Charles? Okay, let me look through some of the references I made in this one. 
it's like, was that a Gorn in the mall? Yeah, there were two mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. There was a food Yeah. Yep, there was a Gorn. almost run over somebody in a Pike-style wheelchair. Yep. 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 Which I think was either Kurtzman in a wheelchair or a reference to a fan who actually built one of his own wheelchairs for one of these conventions once upon a time. I think it might have been a fan reference, actually. Could be. There was a Las Vegas. Somebody did one in Las Vegas the next year. Yeah. Of course, I had to bring up the Vulcans. Yeah. I love when the doctor yells the Doppler. Yeah. Wow. The doctor is yelling all these obscenities. Oh, so bad. And it's a for her character. She's so grumpy. I love so the part. I love the bouncer. At the party. Yes. Lunar, yeah. lunar class and above only. No, yeah. California class, too low. <laughs> and who is the DJ at the party? Anybody Yeah, the, that? the guy yeah. that was playing all the music was uh, the Did outrageous he? O'Connor. Oh. oh, yeah, O'Connor, yeah. yeah the outrageous yeah. O'Connor was the DJ. Yep. And there were think... so many good, so many good yeah. Easter eggs in this episode. Do you think the Gargar was, was that Boothby? Well, that's what I wondered if it was Boothby or not. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought too. <laughs> and did you guys notice during the car chase when they went through the the bird avian avian yeah. uh, aviary? Uh, when they yeah. showed the two birds sitting up in the birdhouse, the female bird is arguing with the male bird. Yeah, move to the aviary. It'll be quieter, he said. Move to the area. Yep. Did you yep. notice yep. Yep. That, 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 that the bird was the same bird that was the first officer of the Enterprise on TOS from yesteryear? Yes, the uh, the scientist dude. Yeah. Yeah, with the same bird. I was like, that's pretty cool. Another, TO, <laughs> another TAS reference. <laughs> so many TAS. Like every episode, is one TAS reference, it seems. Yep, it's great. Well, so, what would you give it, Charles? Overall, I'm gonna give it an eight. But an let's eight? just say when they were when they were doing the the panel, they were talking about, oh, let's spend some time and do some Voider references. Oh, let's do some. Oh, this week let's do some TOS references. They just said they were having so much fun in that writers' room. Throwing mm-hmm. in so many series references and Easter eggs. Look behind the yeah. bar for the Guardian of Forever. Yep. <laughs> Carl. His name is Carl. I love it. Yeah. And I love the bar that Kirk and Spock got kicked out of and went yeah. to. Yeah, that's the one that has the Guardian of Forever on the top shelf in the back. <laughs> yep. And and the Doomsday Machine too. Yep. A is whole there. Bunch of them. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so, Shannon, you get to bring up the caboose yep. on this week's Lower Decks episode. You've heard what we all thought, so now you can share your opinion. Okay. Um, the, what I thought that re- was really, really funny, though, was the the data bubble bath with some lures <laughs> in there. Um, <laughs> with some lures. <laughs> that was my favorite yeah. part, actually. Oh, that was really fun. Bottle service. That was <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't really like it as much as I like some of the episodes. I don't think it was as bad as the one a couple of weeks ago, but I still would only give it like a six, which is probably my lowest score. 
I just didn't. Yep. The chase scenes, even like some of the J.J. Abrams things, I don't like the chase scenes. That's not my thing. So that's the only reason I didn't like it. Yeah. But, you know. It is. It is what it is, right? That's fair. Yeah. So, uh, listen, guys, we're out of time. Yeah, that was, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, we, we are out of time, for real this time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh-huh. uh, let me ask you guys, what do you think about this new format? Do you guys like it? Yeah, it's a little more yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I like not having to cut people off, and if, if we have to go over, then we can, like we did today by a few minutes. But we're going to try to keep the episodes, to, the segments to 28 minutes where possible. <laughs> uh, we went a little over uh-huh. this week, but we had a lot to talk about. So I want to say thank yeah. you to Rob Perlman for hanging out and talking with us at the top of the hour. And uh, we're definitely going to have him back to talk about the book of grudge. Meow. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, I'm really psyched about that. And I want to say thank you to Charles for hanging out and trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Charles. Well, I just had to get, get you all last night. So it was a blast. Yeah. And, and we got a lot more to talk about next done. week for, for, we're not done. Definitely yeah. not. And of course, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Eric. You better believe it. I had a blast and it was great to have you on again, Shannon. Thank you for calling. Yeah. And thank you <laughs> yeah, so much to Shannon good. for calling from Kentucky. Uh, there's always a chair at the table for you, Shannon. Thank you so much for calling. Oh, thank you. We had to talk about yesterday because it was awesome. <laughs> it, it was awesome. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to continue this next week mm-hmm. because we still have some more to unpack and I promise you guys, by next week, I will have audio ripped of the trailer so that we can share them with you and dissect them just a little bit more. So you want to come back next week and definitely tune in. Um, next week, we'll be talking about Lower Decks Episode 6. Don't know the title yet, but we'll be talking about that. And, of course, all the trailers that we described to you guys tonight, I'll, I will definitely try to have them in their entirety to play for you. And if I can track down a copy of the Get a Life skit from William Shatner, <laughs> which is difficult, I will try to find that and play that for you guys because I know there's probably a lot of you listeners out there that have no idea what we're talking about. So I'll try to find that. Me. Yeah, you weren't even born yet, so that's, that's understandable. <laughs> I will try to find that for you guys and play that for you guys. So thank you so much to each and every one of you guys listening, no matter where you are. We appreciate you. We couldn't do the show without you guys. Please head over to our Facebook page and help us reach 64,000 followers. We're about 150 shy right now. So head on over there, give us a like, give us a follow, and tell us where you're from so we can get you on a future fan shout-out. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying stay safe, be good to each other, and hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Hail. Live long and prosper. Hey. Peace and long life. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.